sound from Sunny um, Let's find out if anyone's oh, planet oh, 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 I don't want to kill you. What would I do with this? From another galaxy. Thanks for listening, guys. This is episode 11 of Empty Rant Presents The Last Page with Jesse. Today we've got a pretty big show lined up, lots of comic books to review for the month of July. A lot of them are Secret Wars tie-ins for Marvel. Got a couple of DC books, of course, Batman is always on the list. And we'll end with some indie titles. Um, We've got uh, Valiant, um, Image, and a bunch of other good stuff to discuss, especially comic book movies, comic book shows, and some other comic book related news. Appreciate you listening, guys. This is episode 11. So, for the month of July, I've got quite a few Marvel titles, of course, due to Marvel's Secret Wars event. It does continue for the month of July, so the first book up for discussion is Secret Wars number 4 by Jonathan Hickman and Asad Rubik. I, of course, grabbed the ongoing Spider-Gwen variant, so here we have artists Chris Samine and Matthew Wilson depicting members of the MCU universe of the Avengers, all replaced as Gwen Stacy characters, even Nick Fury. I don't know what... um, has me so fascinated but I've managed to grab every Gwen variant I've wanted during this event and this Gwengers cover is pretty awesome. As for the contents of the book, issue 4 is definitely the best yet and as I tweeted late one night after reading it, it gave me the feels. Book number 4 is very uh, a very critical book in the series reaching its halfway point where the surviving members of both, uh, both Earth 610 and Earth 1610 uh, emerge from the uh, ships upon the battle world. Both heroes and villains uh, taking on Doom's very own Thor corpse until they seek the intervention of God Doom himself. Reluctant at first until he realizes that um, his greatest foe, Reed Richards, is among the survivors. Threatened as always by Richards, he finally decides to act. This issue sheds a tremendous amount of light on the relationship God Doom has with his appointed staff, uh, especially the one he entrusted as sheriff to his entire kingdom, which is Dr. Stephen Strange. This story seems to be getting very personal between the oldest conflict in the Marvel Universe between Doctor Doom and Mr. Fantastic. Artist Asad uh, and colorist Ivan Sforzina uh, uh, are doing an amazing job visually in bringing Hickman's uh, storytelling to life. The story arc is more than just a visual masterpiece from its standard Alex Ross covers and variants involved, more than just artistic tones and elements. It's also a very great psychological adaptation of what it's like to see the uh, repairment of not one but two worlds, saved by the villain and the villains uh, from the villain's perspective. Uh, more to come from Marvel's Secret Wars in the month of August. Civil War number one by Charles Soule is everything I'd expect from a writer with such a tremendous storyline as a project. Um, Soule had nothing back, uh, held nothing back in this awesome first issue. Number ones uh, have a responsibility of immediately grabbing your attention as the rest of the story depends on your desire to read it, basically. I have no doubts the remaining issues of 2015 Civil War will be epic. Civil War is another aspect of Marvel's current ongoing secret, event, uh, secret Wars event. 
Much like uh, other universes and timelines have been merged to create Battleworld, Civil War takes up not one, but uh, two of these domains, which are the Iron, of course, maintained by Tony Stark, a.k.a. Iron Man, and the other domain controlled by um, Captain America called the Blue, a.k.a. Steve Rogers. So uh, this is a classic story, not retold, but uh, seems much more like a sequel continuing the 2006 to 2007 story in uh, Secret Wars fashion as another what-if title. If Captain America had not surrendered at the end of the original title, much less been assassinated, uh, this is very much what the aftermath would uh, look like today. It's creatively reimagined by um, artist uh, Lenil Francis Yu, inked by uh, Gary uh, Alan Gulen, and colorist uh, Sunny Go. This alternative uh, proves to give us an interesting story, and I imagine it will be a lot more attractive to those who didn't read Civil War or are only somewhat familiar with the premise of the original story arc. There is a lot of mystery and setup in this issue. Some of this mystery people will dislike because um, as readers we, most, uh, we mostly want to know what and why something happened immediately in that single issue. But I'm sure the payoff in the future issues will prove to be worth it. Um, and maybe the, uh, they will leave a lot of questions unanswered. There's only one way to find out and of course that's by reading it. So uh, Civil War number one was amazing for the month of July. Uh, moving on to the next uh, Secret Wars title, uh, sticking with the Marvel theme, X-Men 92 number one was an awesome throwback to the old 90s cartoons we all loved so much and just uh, uh, grew up with. The unique style feels very much like you're watching the cartoon again after rushing home from school to catch it on the Fox, or at least I did while attending Catholic school here in San Angelo. Uh, Pepe Larraz uh, pencils the characters using their iconic costumes and suits us uh, 90s kids are mostly familiar with, and the writer Chad Bowers definitely used the cartoon show as reference when writing this issue, as the tone and verbiage is very nostalgic in context. I admit this story was fun, but not a necessary read if you're trying to stay close to the main story uh, that is Secret Wars. If anything, I'll continue reading it for the nostalgic reasons, as the 90s X-Men team will always be very sentimental for me. Uh, the last uh, Marvel title I had for the month of July, or at least the one I'll be reviewing, is Amazing Spider-Man Renew Your Vows Number 2 by Dan Slott. Um, it's just as good as the first, uh, first one I reviewed last month. We really get a sense of Peter Parker as dad this issue and the links he would as a parent go to for the sake of his children, um, or his child, I'd rather say. This is very unfamiliar territory for me, and even though I've uh, always enjoyed Spider-Man, I had trouble relating to him. Um, after the Superior Spider arc ended, Parker as a father hits a soft spot for me. And as a parent, we put a lot of things on hold to tend to our kids. Some of us give up careers, dreams, relationships, uh, all for the sake of our kids. I know I did. Um, imagine what a hero of New York City had to give up. Your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man is um, basically no longer spy uh, the only spider in this town. Um, his daughter Annie also inherited, um, through his DNA of course, uh, his web crawling abilities. This story is very grounded, I might say, uh, full of surprises in the end. Uh, the ending is no different. The story is leading up to something very big. My only complaint is the cover. We obviously see the Venom uh, symbiote towering over Peter Parker on the cover, but it, but he's barely mentioned aside from a, d a dream sequence and uh, the big Venom spoiler at the end, which is a little anticlimactic when you're expecting him uh, because of the whole cover. So. The end would have made a bigger impact on readers had the cover not, or maybe if the cover had a different depiction, uh, but that's just me nitpicking with the only um, two issues down. It, it would not be impossible to get caught up on these two if you're interested in reading them, which again, I would suggest um, you do so. So definitely Civil War and um, 
Amazing Spider-Man Renew Your Vows number two are definitely on the top of my reading list for the month of July's uh, Marvel's titles. So I only grabbed three DC books for the month of July. First one being Justice League of America number two by Brian Hitch. It's already proven to be one of the better JLA books I've read in the past few years. Again, I thought this book would prove to be difficult to follow considering it's a post-convergence uh, post story that I didn't read very well. But I'm enjoying it for the most part. Some parts relevant to Convergence are going over my head and I'm too lazy to uh, pretty much Google them. But for the most part I'm understanding what's going on. I probably understand more so what's occurring than Superman himself in this actual story. Superman is greeted by the Kryptonian god Rao, I believe how you pronounce it, at the beginning of JLA 1. And his intentions are supposedly revealed in issue number 2. A plot twist was expected, a smoke screen of some sorts, but so far it appears Rao is genuinely here to help. There may be, of course, uh, hidden motives that uh, we will see as the story progresses, but for now, Superman is convinced that the Kryptonian god whom he's never met, might I add, has come in peace. His first act as god on Earth is healing massive amounts of people all over the world in hospitals as an act of trust and, uh, some might say, uh, a peace offering. Of course, Batman has his doubts and uh, begins uh, re-examining uh, re his Superman contingency plans in the event Rao is not what he seems. This type of story I always find interesting, despite it being played out numerous times before, and not just by DC Comics. The rest of the JLA team sort of take the back seat on this issue. The most prominent characters are Superman, of course, with Batman and Cyborg contemplating about what measures to take in the background, and of course we get a more grim Batman this issue, sharing his lack of compassion for uh, uh, some individuals such as criminals as he expresses how upset he is that Rao is healing potential criminals uh, throughout the hospitals. All in all, the story is slow, but hopefully groundwork for something much larger in the works. Where writing and story development fail, Hitch's artwork definitely makes up for. I do plan on continuing with the story for the time being as I'm desperately holding on to as many DC titles as I can. The next one is The Flash number 2. It was full of ups and downs provided by Robert Venditti. Again, this is only my second issue of The Flash I've read since miscellaneous issues I skimmed through as an early collector. This is my first attempt to dive deep into a Flash book. He's always interested me and I just never knew when a good jumping on point would occur. I of course missed the new 52 launch and uh, of The Flash and I wish I hadn't, but with a successful season 1 of The Flash on the CW complete with 2 on its way, and the recent casting of Ezra Miller for the upcoming feature film The Flash, now seemed as good a time as any to get into this character. And of course with Robert Venditti currently grading Flash with, literate, with his literary genius, this Flash can uh, do no wrong. As mentioned in last month's episode after reviewing The Flash 41, it still seems very much like an adaptation or spin-off maybe of the CW series. I love it personally and I don't plan on dropping it anytime soon. So if you're in the market for some new DC books after they let so many of us down with Convergence, I highly suggest The Flash. This issue uh, plays with the father-son dynamic Barry has with his father, um, a falsely accused father and some, um, uh, somewhat incarcerated might I add. He broke out of prison recently, but his intentions are still not explained. I'm sure we will get to, uh, get to this more with issue 43. My last DC title read for the month of July is Batman 42, uh, written by the, um, provided by the dynamic duo in the comic book industry, Greg Capullo and Scott Snyder themselves. Issue 42 continues with the new Batman as none other than the Commissioner Gordon. 
this Batman obviously working with the law as opposed to um, against it uh, and sticking to the shadows is still taking some getting used to, but Gordon is really shaping up to represent the best and current embodiment of the Batman as uh, he possibly can. It's nice to see Gordon so motivated about something. I'm not sure if he's doing this for himself or if he in some way feels like this is paying a debt to the real Batman during his absence. And yes, I said absence as in temporary. There's no telling how long Bruce's hiatus will last, but dead or not, he's already been depicted in both issues since his, uh, his uh, supposed death. As, mes as mentioned in episode 10 of the last page, it was rather convenient that he and the Joker died next to a large pool of Dionysium liquid, the very liquid responsible for reincarnating so many before them, most notably Raj al Ghul. I'll be honest, the Bat Bunny suit has grown on me. And for the sake of functionality and protection, you can't help but ask yourself if Bruce would have suffered the same fate had he donned the uh, suit uh, similar to the one Gordon wears as Batman. Nonetheless, the cape and cow are currently in the hands of Gordon, and that responsibility is definitely taking its toll on him. It's not often you see the Batman uh, respond to orders, but um, remember the current Batman is basically another member of the Gotham City Police Department. I think the revolt of uh, Robocop uh, he had with the OCP and this uh, is a pretty similar analogy. So, P.S. Who would win between the Ro uh, Robocop and the Batman? Uh, shoot me a message on Twitter or at EmptyRant.com for a chance to win an awesome Comic Book Fiend cl uh, Club t-shirt. The Comic Book Fiend Club is a social club a buddy of mine founded from California and it's spreading quickly on social media. He's unofficially appointed me as a vice president and I appreciate the responsibility. We recently held a raffle on Instagram and to collect funds to purchase various merchandise uh, for Comic Book Fiend Club, including t-shirts. They're the first of many items that we're going to make available. Uh, they're online. If you uh, want, you can take a look at um, the link to our Big Cartel web, uh, web store on our Instagram page, which is at Comic Book Fiend, F-I-E-N-D, club with no spaces. I'm honored to be a part of this uh, growing comic book society. And it's nice to know there are others that have the same passion as I do when it comes to comics and, uh, co and comic books. So if you can see yourself sporting one of these bad boys, uh, these awesome t-shirts uh, you know, are available. Hit me up uh, with some feedback on the show or simply just answer my question I just presented you. Who would win between Batman and Robocop and why? Send your answers or feedback to lastpage underscore comics on Twitter or reply in the comment section of EmptyRent.com. Or of course you can always find me on my personal Instagram handle at Woodard underscore bird. That's W-O-O-D-A-R-D underscore bird, B-I-R-D. So my indie pull list for the month of July was pretty average. Barbed Wire came out in July and was a bit underwhelming if I say so myself. Original creator of Barbed Wire, Chris Warner, returns to volume two with artist Patrick O'Leaf penciling issue number one. This too feels very nostalgic, much like X-Men 92 mentioned earlier in the Marvel section of this podcast. But I used to, because I used to love watching the original film featuring Playboy playmate Pamela Anderson as a growing teenager, of course. The most recent incarnation of Barbed Wire doesn't resemble Pamela Anderson, but the new blonde hair, blue-eyed girl is a good representation of the generation's this uh, generation's introduction to the bounty hunter with an attitude and extreme sex appeal. This book, although drawn very well, was a little boring and, in my opinion, missing a key component, which is Barbed Wire herself a.k.a. Barbara Kopetsky. Part-time bar owner, part-time bounty hunter, I most likely won't be picking up issue number two because issue one didn't impress me. I will, however, however keep issue one because of its amazing Adam Hughes cover he did, though. 
Another indie book I read was Valiant's Book of Death Number 1. Uh, it's the start of Valiant's most recent event incorporating most of their main titles and characters such as, uh, such as Ninjog, Harbinger, Exo Manowar, and my favorite Bloodshot. Considering I'm fairly new to Valiant titles, I'll postpone reviewing in this uh, reviewing this story arc probably until it's um, read in its entirety, uh, mostly because I'm somewhat lost but still enjoying it very much. Robert Venditti is also an amazing writer and I'm confident this event will be a success. I'm trying to get my hands on the second part of this event which is the Bloodshot tie-in titled uh, Fall of Bloodshot Number 1. My local comic shop isn't big on indie comics and the only other store in town that sells comics isn't a big actual comic book dealer so they didn't have it either. If you find it and want to send it to me as a thank you for giving me this awesome comic book reviews, I gladly take it. Um, until then, um, hopefully I can read it as a, a you know a trade or a paperback uh, graphic novel. As far as the last uh, indie book I read was none other than Sex Criminals number eleven. Sex Criminals is back and definitely one of my favorite reads for the month of July. Matt Fraction and Chip Zdarsky continue to provide us uh, with hilarious antics and sometimes disturbing sexual imagery, all while literally making you LOL. John and Susie are back, still on a quest to shut down the notorious sex police, recently losing the assistance of Anna St. Cocaine after they revealed to her that they basically robbed banks while in the quiet together. Uh, this, is, uh, this issue is titled Manime, and rightfully so, as we're introduced to a new character by the name of Douglas D. Douglas, I believe who also has a unique sexual ability. Um, no, he doesn't stop time with his organs like, uh, orgasms like the others. Uh, his ability is far more elaborate, I guess, is the word. Uh, you'll basically have to read it to find out what exactly this new character can do with the D in Douglas. Speaking of sex criminals, sex criminals took a pretty long hiatus. Um, number 11 um, is the first issue after a couple of months, basically. Um, Matt Fraction and Chip Sadarsky took the liberty of taking, I think, about 2,000 different covers, um, blank sketch covers with these little um, ornamented like panels looking like mirrors. And they basically took the liberty of um, drawing individual or custom sketches on over about 2,000 books. They've all been polybagged with blackouts. Um, panels so that way you can't see inside the bag and they've just been shipped all over the world. Um, I've purchased two so far in hopes of getting one with a sketch cover. Um, uh, there's, there's one comic book shop in town where I live and another one which is like an entertainment store very similar to Barnes & Noble. Um, they do get comics but not in mass amounts so um, I'm, I'm, I'm awaiting some additional ones. So far the two that I've gotten are just the regular covers. Um, I'm going to keep them, of course, but I am really hoping that um, the next time I come across one, I do get my hands on a sketch cover. I'm not interested in paying uh, you know, a ridiculous price on eBay for a sketch cover. But the ones I've seen, the people, my friends that have gotten the sketch covers, um, they look awesome. Um, if you're into you know, weird dicks and vaginas and like crazy stuff on your comic books, um, definitely try and get your hands on one. Um, yeah, so Six Criminals 11... Um, the, they also came out with the rated X variant, which I think they're going to do uh, moving forward. Uh, you know, every issue is probably going to have a variant that's um, adult themed. Of course, that will come bagged as well, and sitting on shelves to avoid little kids' eyes being burned. Um, but that was a fun little scavenger hunt, I guess you could say. A lot of people were having fun with it. Some people were, you know, scooping up 20, 30 different issues in hopes of getting one. I think the odds are like one in 36. Um, 
of course I ordered one from uh, online at Midtown Comics of course they limit you to one per person the one I ordered I didn't get so probably about thinking about creating an account for my wife and ordering another one in hopes of getting one moving on to other comic book related themes uh, so far the past 11 episodes have just been discussions about comic books in general but of course sticking with the comic book uh, theme uh, comic book films and TV shows fall well within the category and are worth discussing as well I'm not going to go too much into them but a lot happened for the month of July starting with Marvel's Ant-Man MCU Phase 2 continues um, with um, Ant-Man starring uh, Paul Rudd as Scott Lang of course, it's not Hank Pym, although we do see a wonderful Hank Pym um, uh, depicted by Michael Douglas, which I would have loved to see an origin story here. I know all origin stories are kind of played out. I understand the necessity to basically just revamp the um, Ant-Man character and throw him you know, headfirst into this. It was a good movie. It's definitely one of the weaker ones in the MCU phases um, or cinematic universe. Um, Winter Soldier still holds its place, in my opinion, as the the best MCU film at all. Um, this film was not necessary as far as continuity six within the MCU, but I mean it definitely serves its purpose. Although you know it would have maybe done better, in my opinion, in a different format like um, Netflix's Daredevil series. That accomplished a lot because there was a lot of buildup and there was a lot that was going on that wasn't necessarily superhero related. Because um, obviously, just like Daredevil, Scott Lang does not have superpowers. He, you know, basically uses this suit that takes him some time to master. So I think this could have been well played out over a number of episodes on a Netflix series, in my opinion. It was a good heist movie. It had its ups and downs. I went with my six year old. She loved it because there's a lot of comedy involved, but that was expected with the cast and the lineup. Um, I'm not going to do any spoilers, but uh, we're obviously leading up to bigger things. There's a wonderful cameo with one of the um, the Avengers, I guess you could call him. Um, there's a mid-credits and post-credits scene that are both very valuable um, moving forward through, for the rest of Phase 2. So I would definitely still suggest you watch it um, if there's discounted days or tickets uh, you know, for a theater in your area. I probably would save a couple of bucks uh, watching it. Wasn't it wasn't anything worth going on premiere night basically but it was still pretty fun as far as um, uh, other news in the Marvel Universe that's they're pretty quiet um, they're prepping for all their July I'm sorry all their August um, reboots of number ones which you're probably listening to this already the month of July so uh, I'd love to hear which guys uh, which titles you guys are picking up uh, I have quite a few on my list obviously financially I probably won't be able to pick up every single one of them um, it's probably going to have to be pick and choose and just hope that I get one that I plan on sticking with you know, and, and you know, hoping I didn't miss one that is worth picking up. The ones for sure, I'm, I'm definitely looking for an Inhumans title. I was reading Uncanny Inhumans before this um, Secret Wars event took place. Um, I'll definitely be sticking with Miss Marvel simply because G. Willow Wilson and um, uh, Adrian Alfonia, I believe, are still going to continue uh, be, being the creative team on the book. So I'm really looking for, forward to that. Moving on to DC news. There's a lot of news within the DC universe, um, both on film and TV. Um, uh, obviously, with the summer break, DC shows are on hiatus. Coming back with the fall, that will be The Flash and The Arrow. 
San Diego Comic Con gave us um, a look at their new costumes, uh, something that we're more familiar with that read the comic books, um, and uh, a look at some of the characters and villains that are going to be introduced. Um, I'm really looking forward to the spin-off uh, CW's um, Legends of Tomorrow. Mostly, I'm looking forward to seeing Hawkgirl and Hawkman. Um, some others are not, uh, you know, then that's fine. But I'm particularly excited for it. I'm not usually interested in villain, I guess, shows or villain, um, I guess, story arcs. But this one I'm making an exception for because basically that's what the setup or premise is for it. Um, speaking of villains, I forgot to mention in the DC discussion, Suicide Squad came out um, with the trailer as well as the Batman vs. Superman. So we've got our first look at uh, all the characters pretty much that will be introduced to us on film. I'm extremely excited for both. I was really not looking forward to Suicide Squad until I saw the trailer. I'm pretty, pretty hyped up for it. Of course, we got a glimpse of Batman. Or Ben Affleck, Batfleck, uh, aka in the Suicide Squad trailer, it's been confirmed that that's a flashback sequence. So basically, showing how Harley Quinn basically ended up um, imprisoned and basically, you know, uh, the, the disbanded, uh, you know, Suicide Squad team before it was ever formed. But I'm looking forward to it. The Batman versus Superman: Dawn of Justice trailer provided to us from uh, San Diego Comic Con completely blew me away. It went way above and beyond what I was expected. Um, the, the, the teaser trailers leading up to that were very, I don't know, um, very minimal and they both mostly just featured voiceovers while just giving us random shots of, you know, the bat cave, the bat suit, stuff like that. Stuff to get us hyped, but I think Zack Snyder's doing an amazing job. I, I will not, I'm, I don't think I'll be disappointed and it's especially pleasing to see Ben Affleck um, assisting with the director, uh, directorial efforts, and it's you know I'm extremely stoked that he will have a larger role in the Batman solo films as director and star. So I'm really looking forward to everything DC as far as film, TV shows, as far as the books. I mean, Convergence really let me down, so I'm still looking for some additional DC titles. Uh, of course, Batman will always be on my pull list, but. As you can tell, with the only JLA and The Flash, those are the only two titles that I'm reading other than Batman um, for the, uh, you know, for the lineup. So I'm really struggling to, you know, stick with DC because they've always had a place, um, you know, for me. Marvel's currently overwhelming my pocketbook and my pull list because they're doing such a good job with Secret Wars. So I'm really hoping the tides will change. Um, but that's it for like media news um, for the month of August. We've got a lot of stuff planned. Uh, uh, the Fantastic Four comes out. I'm very stoked for that. I know a lot of people aren't looking for another reincarnation of Fantastic Four on film, but I, however, am pretty um, pretty stoked for this new film. Um, sticking with Marvel and Fox um, films, uh, Deadpool trailers should be out by the time you're listening to this, so I'd love to hear your thoughts on the new Deadpool trailer. Um, I've never been a fan, but with Ryan Reynolds behind it, um, I'm pretty sure... Obviously, I'll see it, but... Um, I don't know, it's, he's just never been a, f a favorite of mine in comic books, so, but, uh, you know, I tend to watch every one of them, so I'll definitely give it a try. Um, I hope that, you know, it does well and, you know, provides future films and, you know, some crossovers. We, of course, got uh, semi-confirmation from uh, Brian Singer that there will be a Fantastic Four and X-Men crossover 
Um, of course, Fox owning Deadpool as well. You know, it'd be super awesome if we could get all three, you know, franchises in the mix and throw them all on, a, you know, a super epic, you know, Avengers type or Justice League type film. So, um, fingers crossed, you know, uh, I, again, I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts and opinions on the shows, future, um, future shows, future films comic books in general anything comic book and nerdy and geeky related that's what we're here for so i hope you guys are enjoying the podcast um and um you know appreciate what i'm doing uh i would love to do these weekly but um uh, sometimes i don't even pull enough books to discuss you know within a week and then sometimes i do pull them but i don't even get to read them because my week is just too overwhelming so we're going to stick with the monthly um uh podcast i appreciate you guys listening though uh, this is Jesse with uh, episode 11 of Empty Rant Presents, the last page with Jesse. Feedback is always appreciated. You can find me on Instagram at, at Woodard, W-O-O-D-A-R-D, underscore Bird, B-I-R-D. Uh, I have a Twitter account dedicated to the last page podcast. That's um, at last page underscore comics. And, of course, if you want to use email, which I don't see why you would, but you can always reach me at lastpagecomics at gmail.com. Um, until then i appreciate you guys listening um i've been joining a couple of other podcasts i'd love for you guys to take a listen to that's friday night fandom of course i'm still sticking with the empty rent episodes um uh, number uh, actually i'm not sure what number we're on but this uh, most recent uh, one will air on tuesday live on youtube uh, you can always catch it at emptyrent.com for any um back issues including the last page back issues uh, while you're there check out a couple of other of the shows that we offer beer me three uh, which has featured uh, a guest um, spot from another fellow comic book collector, Nikki, as well as uh, Uber Rants and Table Topics, where I was interv- uh, interviewed by um, our uh, podcast host, uh, Miguel, in, in regards to my love and basically, obs- basically obsession for comic books. So if you guys want to take a look at that, uh, Table Topics, um, starring me, basically, is available at the EmptyRant.com uh, website. Um, all episodes discussed it will be there. So I appreciate you guys listening. Um, and uh, tune in for episode 12 next month. If you have any questions, comic books, or suggestions, shoot them my way. I appreciate it.